What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into episode number 13 of the Tuesday Track Talk podcast. I'm your host, Kellen, your Jackman. Two cans of fuel. I'm your gas man, Cameron. Going for four tires is the tire changer. I'm Cam. And man, we got a good one for you today. We have uh, kind of a wild slate of things to cover here is um, we're going to touch on the state of the sprint car world when you talk about the new high limit and guys are finally starting to string together some announcements here on where they're going um, in terms of series and all that good stuff. So we'll kind of touch on a little bit of everything sprint car racing and then we will jump into our main course for today if we call it that the boomer bust of 2023 so uh we got three different series um should be good uh the crews kind of come together with what they believe is who are superstars and who are not stars so uh this will be a good one but first what fellas what how we how we doing good i uh obviously with no racing kind of going on this weekend i uh Ran a couple, or did a couple of different things. I went to a hockey game on on Saturday night. Just a little junior junior hockey league that we got up here in Chippewa. And I yeah, I sent the snap to you guys. The glass one of the glass panels broke from a hit on the boards on Saturday night. Christ, thought I'd never see that in my life. So that was interesting to to see. Me and one of the guys were kind of. Well, let's see if we can put this in better than what these buffoons are doing. Because it was about an hour before they finally got a, the new panel put in. But between that and $250 on pull tabs on for lunch on Saturday afternoon, that's about as eventful as my weekend was. <laughs> nice. Uh, nothing, nothing super new here. Uh, Badgers officially got a new slinger of the pigskin today, so... Yeah, Who did they get? Um, a transfer quarterback from Miami. Hmm. Three-year starter. Miami, or are we talking Miami, Ohio? The Miami. Three-year starter. Stats don't look super great. Sounds like he needed a change of scenery, so I don't know. We'll see. It's like NFL free agency out there in college right now. So, Yeah, for real. Interesting, but uh, no, as we were speaking – I was bouncing back and forth in my brain of uh, what for today's main course, um, my topics. I was making a couple last-minute changes there. So, um, a little, little debate going on here already. Yep, we'll, we'll debate it out. We'll see what you guys think. I'm going back to what I originally thought, um, and we'll see what happens. So. No, uh, looking forward to another episode, and uh think she's going to be a doozy. Well, that kind of wraps up the new news in the life of the pit crew, um, I think. <clears throat> I think it's time to talk a little sprint car racing, and we're going to talk everything sprint car racing. So, um, obviously, the news has come out about High Limit and this new series and, and the vision that these guys have with this series. Um, but I guess kind of looking at it, short term here what are some surprises or not surprises that you guys have seen in terms of drivers committing to run either high limit or world outlaws uh 
I don't think I'm really surprised as far as the guys that have committed to World Allahs versus the guys that have committed to and a high limit. List. I think if you would have put, you know, an entire list of guys out there and you would say, all right, you draft them on your own, where would you put them? I think we would be pretty damn close as far as where these guys are going. Just because I think it's kind of it's a little bit of the guys that used to run the all-star circuit of champs, I think are staying with the high limits just because it's a familiar schedule guys that have run with Kyle Larson and, and, and uh, Brad Sweet and maybe kind of buddies with them. They'll run with them, but you get those guys that have run the world all laws and that's kind of their history and their roots. They're kind of sticking with the world all laws given you got some guys that still need to make some decisions. But I think out of the guys that have said something so far, I think it's, that's kind of what I'm picking up on. Yeah, I guess I would echo that sentiment that there hasn't been, uh, I guess, a real, like, uh, like a dropship kind of guy. Yeah, like a big, you know, newsbreaker that's like, hey, holy smokes, did not expect that. Um, I'm just looking at the list on my phone right now. Um, like you said, I think it's going as expected. Um we're kind of keeping, you know, the guys that ran the outlaws are sticking with the outlaws. The guys that are, um, that ran all stars are, are, you know, going with the all stars, but, um, I don't know. I thought, I definitely think it's going to be an interesting conversation going forward after, you know, next year when we're having this conversation after one year, um, seeing what, you know, the reviews are, or what drivers are saying about the program that, Brad Sweet and Kyle Larson put together. Obviously, um, I think they're going to do good things. It's two of the best of the best. They know what they're doing. Um, and mo- two of the most respected, I would say. And <clears throat> it's just interesting, like Rico, who was kind of like, kind of a question mark, or he's was has, has been teasing everybody for like the last month, it seems like, you know, what am I going to do? And he finally comes out and announces, like he said, you know, he's going high limit. And I listened to just a one-minute interview from him at PRI this past weekend, and he just made it seem like he's buying the vision of what Kyle Larson and Brad Sweet, maybe not immediately, but he was talking, you know, in the next two, three, four years where I believe Kyle Larson and Brad Sweet can get sprint car racing. He's like, I believe in what they want to do and where they want to take it. So, you know, I guess, you know, my big takeaway right now is everything's going as – you know, kind of as expected, but I would be interested to see, you know, after a year, one, what are, you know, the high limit guys, what are their reviews? You know, what do they say about, you know, the first year and all girl year? And then two, as word spreads, you know, Larson and Sweet do their marketing and get the word out of what this vision is and, you know, where they're trying to go with it. If that starts to lure um, you know, some of the outlaw guys in, but yeah, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, and that's a lot of good points there as well, I think. But when you look at it, we still have got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, <clears throat> 13, 14 guys that are yet to make announcements. So you talk about Carson Macedo, Tyler Courtney, Brent Marks. James McFadden, Buddy Colfoy, <clears throat> Brian Tim, Colm Cito, 
Couch Motorsports, Sam Hayferty, Anthony Macri, Justin Sanders, Parker Price Miller, and Connor Morrell. Did you say so, Buddy Coltwright or no? Yep. Yep, for sure. So we got there's when you talk about sprint car racing, there's some hammers out there yet that um are yet to make a decision. So I would kind of expect those to be coming here soon ish. I'm looking at that list of those names that you just said right there, and I think there's a couple bigger names that could drive, you know, high limit to say, hey, this is going to be – and I'm looking at Macedo, yep. Tyler Courtney, yep. and Macri are three bigger name sprint car guys that it's like – That's who's getting know, the – right now what that's who's getting the sales pitch right now correct yeah um as brad sweets hammer and white claws at the bar <laughs> <laughs> that was a great photo that doing was fantastic business. smashing blackberry claws and doing business um but no i i, I think those you know some of those buddy colfoid another big name Brent Marks, there's just some big names out there that need to be yet solidified. And I think, you know, not that you lean one way or the other, but I think, you know, High Limit has a potential like a Carson Macedo. And I would think Courtney would, you know, the trend would be to stick with High Limit based on what we've saw and a lot of the all-star guys, you know, staying and high limit and Tyler Courtney was a all-star guy. So I don't know. Um still some big names out there that like he said, um they're getting calls from Brad Sweet and Kyle Larson probably as we speak, talking through the logistics of it and and giving them the pitch. And it's gonna be interesting. So think, oh go ahead. No, go ahead. I got I got another five minute conversation for us. Um <laughs> So for, for reference, were you were uh, referencing this nice graphic that Master Gassers has put out on X? He's been they have been keeping a really good track as far as who's going where in this real nice graphic. Um, one thing that jumps out and I didn't realize this before that Shark Racing has a car in each series. They have Logan Schuhart in the World of Outlaws, and then they have Jacob Jacob Allen in the High Limit. So they're dipping into both. Obviously, oh. Larson Larson with his. Uh, NASCAR schedule is only doing the midweek races, which I think makes sense. I think it that helps that draw in the midweek side of things. Yep. Um, but I, I don't know. I look at some of them names that I could make a case for a few of them to go world outlaws, like a couple of guys that I think are going to go outlaws. Carson Macedo and James McFadden are two that jump out of the gate. Yeah. Brent Marks, I'm not 100% sold on, but I think he's leaning towards World of Outlaws. I think Courtney, like you said, he's a former all-star guy. I think he could go high limits. Buddy Colfoyd is one that I really – I would not be surprised. I bet you if there's a guy that says, nah, I'm not going to go either one of them. I'm just going to race whatever. I bet you it's him. And there's – you know, we do that. There's the possibility of some of these guys say, no. We're gonna run this like the wild, wild west, and we're just gonna pick and choose where we go. And, so and one reason, one reason I think of that is because he does race midgets often. 
Yep. So that schedule could interfere with both of these these series. I think he's gonna if he, if they're running at that same time as any if the midgets are running at the same time as any of these two guys, I think he's picking midgets over the the sprint cars. But and that's where he makes his hay. Yep, is midgets. So <clears throat> one thing I thought, you know, I I agree with all your points there where you're leaning. A uh, couple interesting points I've been just seeing on axes. Uh, first and foremost, we thought things would go pretty peacefully between the two, but it seems to pretty quickly, uh, you know, we always talk about like, hey, we don't want to, you know, drive a divide in dirt racing. We want to, you know, let's peacefully coexist and, you know, whatever. But I just see it's, it didn't take long for it to get pretty polarizing between the two series, um, between releases and some people already saying like, what is it in the high limit contract? Not to speak the words world of outlaws. Like it didn't take long for this to get um, a little bit dicey, which is, which is interesting. Uh, Cause I saw some Rico, somebody tweeted him and said, what does your high limit contracts forbid you from speaking on, speaking about the world outlaws and Rico just said, what are they going to do? Arrest me. So, <laughs> that's kind of interesting. And then the other part, the other part that I thought was interesting is isn't high limit. Isn't part of their money going back to the drivers. Uh, that was one of the, I think you're talking about the meteorites thing that was going to kick in in a couple of years. Yep. Got it. Yeah. They're going to start. And that's, I mean, there's, which that's a whole nother discussion in its own right. For sure. But the more power to them, but to be able to have the, the broadcasting rights of flow of being able to kick that back to drivers. That they're not just outright pocketing that money. But um, so Cam, you kind of touched on it. I mean, and, and you mentioned it here with kind of some of the polarizing comments and, and things like that. At this point, both with both series coming out and guys starting to make announcements, are we feeling that this is a healthy rivalry or is it not enough or is it gone too far? How are we feeling about the competition itself? Damn, I'll let you go first. I'm actually doing checking something out here real quick. Um. I would say right now, um, I would say it's pretty healthy. Um, I would say, again, what we kind of alluded to before, like driver standpoint right now, I'd say it's pretty evenly split um, between your hammers and, you know, just good guys. I would say right now it's pretty evenly split, which I'm – I'm good with like this is I don't know if this is exactly what we're going for. I would it would be kind of nice to be like, all right, yeah, let's just all get together and let's put the bet, you know, if these were all one series, you know, whatever. But I would say if we're gonna coexist right now, um pretty evenly split. Um from a competition perspective, I like both sides and again we alluded to some of those now if one series gets some of those bigger names that we are 
already talked about and they all start going yeah high limit high limit high limit or world outlaws world outlaws you know some of those bigger names swing it a little bit i would say it would swing it a little bit um but no i think right now it's it's a healthy mix competition wise and again i kind of touched on it before i just hope it doesn't get you know super political where it's doesn't get nasty yeah, it doesn't get nasty between High Limit and World Outlaws. Um, trying to poach drivers or, you know, talking, you know, bad about another series. That's where I, I want to draw the line. But I will go out on a limb and say this. If one thing does happen, if that do- if we do go down that road, down that road, it's coming from the World Outlaws side. Um, and we witnessed that firsthand world outlaws at Cedar Lake. If a Lucas oil guy wins a heat race, they don't get interviewed. So world outlaws is very territorial about who they interview and who they promote. And it it sucks because it's like world outlaw guys go win Lucas oil and Lucas oil is like, all right, Nick Hoffman wins a heat race. He gets interviewed. Like, you know, whatever, but that's not the case for World Outlaws. So healthy mix. Um, I don't want it to get political or nasty, but if it does go down that road, I think it's going to come from the World Outlaws side. So to that point, I'm looking at last year's winners. Just because it, it made me think of something. So on their website, they always have the photo of the driver that won the race. And and this is maybe just media type of thing. They didn't have them at their media, uh, not availability, media day, media shoot, whatever it is, photo shoot day. But all of the non-World of Allah winners are, just have like the race logo or the World of Allah's logo or something along those lines. Yep. Versus a World Outlaws guy, they have their picture in there. Like I said, it just could be could have been something where they, you know, photos not available, quote unquote, type of thing. But that's that brings up a good point of kind of like not recognizing the outside of World of Outlaw guys. Um, another thing I want to hit touch on real quick was I actually put looked up the World Outlaw schedule again. Master Gasters has a combined schedule, which I think we reposted at one point in time as well. I counted the head to head races that they had with each other and if i counted right and looked at the schedule right without getting cross-eyed there are 27 races that they go head-to-head with each other that they race on the same night different places you mean yes different places same night yep all right that's it's a fair amount of nights and without you know getting a, a map out without getting super technical and kind of, you know, getting this whole scenario going again, <laughs> yep. getting a map out and like seeing, okay, it's, are they like in the same area? Do they interchange or cross or anything like that? Or are we talking like completely different directions type of thing too, without getting too in depth in it. But that was just something I kind of thought was interesting. And, and honestly, it, it happens a lot in the summer. Like it's almost like if I had to take a gander at it, it was almost like an every other weekend, like they're, they're battling, head to head with each other yeah and that's i mean you're gonna have that especially in the summer you're you some of these northern tracks you come up by us it's you can run from 
June until end of August, early September. So if you want to make a Midwest swing or you want to go West or you want to go Northeast, like you are also limited by calendar. So, and I think that again, be kind of comes part of the schedule with the high limit now being Tezos or all-star circuit champs that they kind of following the same nature of what they've done. They You're kind of limited if you want to make some of those different ventures when you talk about a Northeast swing or a, a Midwest swing or a Northwest swing, like, you're just at some point limited by weather in just the nature of the summer. So, yeah, I don't know. I So far, I feel like it's, it's – I feel like we're in a good spot. I don't feel like we're loaded one way or another. There's a handful of guys to come yet, and who knows, that whole list of guys could say, yeah, we haven't decided. We're just going to run whatever, which that won't be the case, but you could have a handful of them do that, so – yeah, and, and whether and like you were saying, Cam, too, it's it'll be interesting to see what it's like a year down the road or two years down the road. Do you see maybe one series get a little heavy, heavy loaded with drivers that that jump ship versus maybe there's you know more races on the high limit schedule versus the World Outlaw schedule or you know whatever the case may be. Um, that'll be interesting to see a couple years down the road, too. But I think first year going into this coming year, it's going to be good. I think we're going to have some really good racing amongst some really good drivers. There's going to be new faces up in the front, new faces competing for championships. It, it's going to be interesting. For sure. So any, any last little final thoughts on kind of the, the world or the world of sprint car racing or sprint car State of the Union, if you want to call it that, at this point in the day. This point Do we want to touch on that that charter deal that they were thinking about doing for high limits? Yeah, we can kind of, kind of talk about that just for a minute. I'm trying to find their post that they had about it, too. Because Well, and we can kind of touch on this, too, that um, they had talked about high limit is going to go to a kind of a, a media broadcasting, right? So I'll call it deal with uh, their drivers, where ten of their drivers will be getting fifty. What is this? Fifty percent of the media rights or the media income? I believe it was. I'm just trying to find it here. So I want to get it right. I know that's you what don't I was be spreading false information. No, we're not. Don't you worry. We never do that here on the podcast. No. God dang it, where is it? Yeah, where is that? Here, let's just do it this way. Maybe this will help. Probably didn't help that I just searched high limit and it was going off of that without actually going through the high limit uh, so, social page. Well, I found the media rights. So um, starting in the year of 26, 10 full-time teams will get 50% of the series streaming revenue. So basically, Flow Sports is going to be sending money to 10 teams. 50% of what they would pay a high limit is going to go to 10 racing teams. Um, so again, even there, when you talk about season championships or this, this charter that we're talking to touch on here in a moment, but <clears throat> it's another way that you can put money in teams' pockets um, 
for showing up. So, so I found an article on the charter um, on NBC Sports. Just Google high limit um, charter. Based on the points at the end of 2024, the top five teams will be awarded charters. At the conclusion of 2025, another five teams will receive charters based on their performance during the 2024 and 25 seasons. Yeah, These will be the top performing teams that do not already have or the one of the original five charters. To be eligible for a charter, teams must compete in every high limit race. Once the charters have been established, media, media revenue distribution will start in 2026. Okay. So the media so, distribution is kind of a second hand to these charters. So, correct. Looks like 2024 and 25, we're going to get settled out. Who's getting the charters? It's going to be an audition. What? Going to be an audition for the charters. Yep. And then once we get all the charters settled in 2024 and 2025, once the charters are all settled out, then the media revenue distribution will start to those teams, which makes sense if you want to help grow the sport, <clears throat> you know, and you're going to give these teams charters for another car or, you know, whatever. We'll help you out with that. You don't want to give them a charter and say, yeah, you got to go fund this yourself, go find more sponsors and, you know, whatever. It's hard enough um, to show up to the track with this equipment, but uh, yeah, that's kind of the state of the state there with the charter. So, again, that was, you know, another. That's another interesting aspect that Rico mentioned with the charter system in his interview. You know, somebody that's a smaller family owned team like Rico. That might be something that's advantageous to him. Obviously, he just had a really good year. Um. You know, so now he joins High Limit and he gets his small little team gets a charter and they get some serious funding help. And you got Rico two car team. Rico two car team. You got a really good sprint car driver. You got a chance to bring in somebody else. Two I two two good race car drivers together, putting their heads together every weekend. Yeah, it's interesting. So, but no, I will say. Uh, final point, yes, or final thoughts on this. I'm looking forward to this. Um, the high limit, obviously, being on flow, that'll be awesome. Um, I don't watch a ton of world outlaw sprint races, uh, nearly as much as I should, um, being on dirt vision, but uh, no, I'm looking forward to it. Um, as I always say, like, I love watching it. Um, and want to give them more love. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be interesting the next couple of weeks here, what we see where some of these last couple of dominoes fall and won't be long. We'll be off to the races. Yeah. I think I got a lot of four, five, six race going out of time on this computer thing going on i might have to actually bust out my old computer just to get an extra monitor sitting here for a couple of races or every weekend between now and <laughs> well it come end of january every weekend between now until snow falls <laughs> yeah my god so that kind of wraps up what has been kind of our state of the union for 
uh, sprint car racing. So pretty cool deal. Excited for it. We're in a good place. We're going to be some good shows, whether you, whether you're a world of all Oz guy or you're, you're excited for the new high limit deal. Either way, uh, we are going to have some absolutely lights out sprint car racing. So pretty cool deal there for everybody involved with all that. And I just hope we can make 2024 better than 2023. So bringing the people all of the greatness in sprint car racing. So, um, all right. This is where we get into, this is where we start to debate a little bit of the, the whole episode is we, this is, this is the meat and potatoes, as they say, this is boomer bust of 2023. Um, and we each kind of selected a different series to look at series surface car, however you want to say it, um, to kind of dive into. And we, we've brought you the boomer bust, um, that's what it was. You picked the series. It was boomer bust, and that was your criteria. So, um, pretty cool little deal. That, again, for all of you that are watching uh, visually, there'll be a live reveal for you. For all you guys that listen on Spotify, um, you will uh, you'll get to hear the live reactions as well. So, um, kind of a cool little deal. I think without further ado, we might as well jump right into the first one. So, Cam, what do you got for us? Boom or bust. You got two cans of fuel. About to say, don't uh, make sure you're not. There you go. Don't need to bust your uh, two cans of fuel. fuel right away. Um, filling her up. Two cans full. Um, so we got gas man cams. Twenty twenty three boom bust. Um, so obviously uh, we mentioned, or you guys always know, or for you guys that follow along. Uh, Love dirt late models. Uh, followed Lucas Oil pretty damn close this past year. So, so even got the old turbo shirt on too. Dang right, I do. So, um, obviously love the series. Um, love these late models. So thought it would be fitting. So without further ado, let's get right in. Um, again, I was looking at this. Didn't quite remember where Van Gro was going. So I went a thirty-five race minimum. Uh, for these guys, I didn't feel like it was fair to judge, you know, somebody that's, you know, racing 22 races or, you know, whatever, um, at a series that's racing north of 50 races. So <clears throat> kept it 35 race minimum. Um, and then I guess as I was uh, really kind of breaking my criteria down is where they finish at the end of the year in the point standings. It was like, did they expect, did I expect them to land there? Yes or no. And then further from that, let's dig into statistics. So that's kind of where my head was at when I put this together. So without further ado, the number three bust. Earl Pearson, Earl Pearson Jr. Um, just popping up here, his 2023 stats, 54 features, 19 top tens, three top fives, no wins. Um, finished 10th in the points and uh, – finished fifth in 2022. So obviously a step in the wrong direction for Earl Pearson Jr. Um, showed flashes a couple times this year. Um, but again, I felt like somebody who was a big name, but was never quite in the mix um, to win it this year. So currently looking for a job. And might have nailed it. <laughs> Might have nailed that one right on the head. 
I, I'm serious. And, and, that team shut down. And, and by no means, when we go through this, are we ever going to call for somebody's job? That's not what we do. No. Um, and I, we won't ever do that. But uh, I guess from our standpoint, you know, it, it's, you know, expectations and results driven. Um, so by no means are we calling for people's jobs and hoping for them to be jobless. But um, the facts speak for themselves. It's a cutthroat business. Yep. Um, and then also I did bust and then I did my boom right after it. So um, the number three boom I had uh, was Hudson O'Neill. Um, again, had a solid year, uh, 53 features, 44 top tens, 32 top fives, six wins. And then you look at him winning the whole deal. The new deal wins the whole deal at the end of the year at Eldora in that wild race um, and wins it all. Um, finished fourth in 2022. So um, I guess, you know, when I was thinking about my top three and when I narrowed it down, it was like, I guess I, well, I don't want to say it was a complete, you know, why it wasn't my number one, you know, being in that rocket house car, you expect good results. Um, but again, uh, he's just a young gun. I believe he's 23 years old. Um, so for him to put together a year like this, um, the guy could dominate dirt late models for years and years to come. So a uh, good year for him. Number two bust. Oh no. Boom. You boomed. We boomed instead of we busted. All yeah. right. Well, we'll go right into it. Uh number two boom. Uh Devin Moran. Um in the number 99. So 2023 20, stats here. You see he's got 53 features, 45 top tens, 23 top fives, two wins. Uh season standing finished second and finished 12th in the points um, in 2022. So I guess I looked at him, thought it was a boom year for him, talked about how much he struggled to start the year, finally figured it out at the end of the year, felt like his team was trending in the right direction. And then as we, you know, we all watched on that Rafael Dora track, he was not far from taking home the big check um, and winning the whole thing. So just thought, uh, you know, somebody who to have this kind of year and lock himself into the championship for um, that was just an impressive year for him. And uh, you know, at the end of the year when he interviewed and said, you know, we struggled early in the year and we feel like we didn't hit our stride till middle late of the year. Definitely somebody who you can look to get off to a quicker start this year and, would not be surprised to see him back with similar results um, next year. So uh, the number two boom was Devin Moran. The number two bust um, was Tyler Bruning in Skyline Motorsports. Um, you look at his 2023 stats. Um, 39 features. Nine top tens, three top fives, no wins, finished 15th in the points, up from 2022 where he finished 21st. Again, just 
not a great year for him. Um, and I don't know, you know, what, what that all entailed, why we have these results. But again, this was somebody that was always at the track, but just, you'd hear his name in hot laps and qualifying and that'd be about it. Um, and always was interesting or scratching my head and why Skyline sends one, one car Lucas oil and one car world outlaws. Like, you know, let's send them both in the same series so that we can work together and, you know, try to get both cars up front. But, um, yeah, uh, I thought it was obviously a disappointing year for Tyler Bruning and Skyline Motorsports. So look to get back to that, back to a better year next year. My number one boss that's coming up next. Absolutely hated to do this. Oh, God. He's got the best social media account out there for a race team. Oh, no. I'm rocking the shirt. He won the oh, won the dome last year. Oh. My number one bust was Turbo Tyler Herb. Dang it. You look at these stats, 53 features, 22 top 10s, 8 top 5s, 1 win. Finished 8th in the points, down, from, down 2 spots from 2022 where he finished 6th in the points. Again, absolutely hated doing this. Uh, love Turbo. Was awesome to meet. Um, at Cedar Lake. Um, but again, I think this, you know, this business is results driven and, you know, outside of his big dome win last year, um, almost a year to the date, um, just struggled throughout the entire year and was somebody that obviously we had hoped would take a step in the right direction as much as we love him and his, personality and the character that he is you'd hope that he'd get a couple more post-race interviews to say some wild things um <laughs> it just never happened um and again it always felt like he was just struggling all the time in hot laps and qualifying and that really i feel like set the tone from every night throughout the year was he was at an uphill battle. Um, and that it's, it's tough to do in, in a series like this. So, um, yeah, it sucked. And I was thinking about him, like at the world outlaws that one night, I think it was the second night. I mean, he was bad. Yeah. Like a second off the pace when he qualified. So again, I absolutely hated doing that, but so I thought, and then, should be no surprise, um, the number one boom, which I guess, you know, was this expected, yes or no. But when you look at these stats, Ouch. I mean, this is the definition of boom. Ricky Thornton Jr., 53, 52 starts, 42 top 10s, 41 top fives, 23 wins, finishes third in the points, um, finished third again last last year. I mean, these 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 stats right here are unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, 
can't make this up. And again, this is the definition of a boom, uh, for, especially for the bank account. Um, yeah, uh, obviously an out of this world year for him and knocked it out of the park. So there's no denying it. Um, was trying to find him more interesting or, you know, hotter take than that. But when you start diving into stats, there was no other option. So um, the number one boom of the year is Ricky Thornton Jr. All right. Those are my top three, boom and bust. And it appears as if when I get a slideshow going, I have yet to have a slideshow. <laughs> Well, I guess I had the one last two. I had two slides. I had two slides, one series to watch and a picture. But outside of that, when I put together a slideshow, shit never goes right. <laughs> Something wrong. You lost clicking through my slides too quick, showing you guys my slides before. Yeah. Lost the phone of twenty twenty three. Yeah. So, anyways, um, yeah. It's fun little exercise, not exercise, but <laughs> I'm just digging into the stats and yeah. So we're gonna pass it off to the tire changer himself. See what he's got cooking for us. So I'll talk. I'll I'll bring up some points as we go along here, but there's gonna I, be controversy with this. I can tell. Yeah, already. yeah. So, <laughs> uh. It definitely if, was if a he little goes where I think he's gonna go with this, he's gonna get punched through the screen. <laughs> it was kind of hard to actually get some stuff put together for this just because there wasn't there's no definitive like stats as far as like starts, wins, top tens, top fives, that type of thing out there. I tried to use again our pal over at Super Late Mile Ranks as best as I could um to put this list together. I stayed away from the, the limited late models, or not the limited late models, late model stocks out east just because I wasn't super familiar with them. And again, maybe not a whole lot of stats to go off of. So I stuck with super late models. Um, and I did a little bit more of booms and surprises versus busts and disappointments. Okay. All right. So that's kind of where I'm going. So mine are going to be my straight three busts and then three booms is the order that I'm going in for this. Uh, so first one, first one that I got is Justin Monday. Uh, 33 race starts, less than three wins, at least that was registered. He's been in the past couple of years, and it really, I think it really noticed itself this year. When he runs with the ASA Midwest Tour and the ASA National Tour, there's a definite, struggle as far as the competition they race against. Last year he ran a ton of races between Norway, Slinger, Wassa. I mean the guy ran a ton of races and he did again this year. If I remember right, he had the most race events out of the entire super late model country with 33 races but only three wins to back it up. Um, last year, I mean Christ, it was any of those weekly shows he was running them and winning them. I think he had three track championships last year. And nothing, nothing really to show for it this year. So really dropped off uh, compared to the results that I had last year. 
it's a family run uh, uh, car and team. So I know obviously that's got a lot to do with it. Wrecking that car, Milwaukee definitely did not help that case. I mean, that car was junk, no. No. straight to the junkyard type of car. So that definitely probably didn't help his his case at all. Um, but that was definitely a disappointment that I felt like on the year. And, you know, obviously I think he's very good behind the wheel. Hopefully he can have a bounce back year uh, going into next year. Next one I think is going to surprise a couple, especially you, Kellen, is Casey Roderick. And mainly because it's just he dropped, he started off the year strong, won the first ASA Stars Championship or race, was an early championship contender, and then whether it was money, sponsorship, you know, something happened. He left Campy Motorsports and just was dropped off the map almost. Had a very limited schedule. Never really heard much from him. Uh, he had did have four wins and 14 starts. I think part of that was probably the Southern Super Series that he was running. Um, but, yeah, just a guy that you, there was a lot of races that you'd expect him to be at, and he just wasn't at just because, again, he kind of dropped off the map. You know, even on socials, I checked some of the socials. The last post I saw was, I think, from August, and that was to wish his brother a happy birthday. The last race-related post was in July. Wow. So, it just again, just dropped off the map. I saw a comment actually today from Matt Weaver that said, uh, when Casey Roderick is in a field, super late model racing is in a good state. So the fact that he's not racing, it hurts the racing as a whole just because of what he brings to the table. So that was one that I felt like was a disappointment. And I really, again, wish that hopefully he can get out there, find a ride, sponsorship, money, wherever the case may be, get back out on the scene, especially on that ASA Star Steward, really really put a, a, a competition out there. Because I think he would have been a really good one for Majeski and Butcher as well. Made that three car race going into the uh, All American 400. Uh, this next one is kind of a two parter just because they shared similar uh, struggles throughout the year, and I couldn't really pick one or the other. And this is kind of kind of where the controversy comes in a little bit. Oh boy! It helps that Cam went with a favorite of your guys's because I think this is going to help soften it a little bit. I'm still probably going to get my ass kicked for it anyways, but I'm going to go for it anyways. Levon Vanderges and Derek Krause. So both of them were plagued with mechanical gremlins all throughout the year. I mean, we we talked about it in our group chat throughout the entire year. You know, he goes to Kakan, has an issue with an engine early in the year, goes to Madison for the uh, Howie Leto and, you know, loses a motor there, loses another motor at lacrosse. So he gets, he you know, that's three big races, especially up here in the Midwest, that he's out just due to mechanical gremlins. Slinger Nationals had to race the last chance qualifier, actually took a provisional to get into that race. Misses out on the Snowball Derby after leading the last chance qualifying late. And then as far as the ranking goes, again, he had less than 10 starts, so it's in the very limited starts he had, it was very hurt and miss. He had some good races. He ran third at Madison uh, for the Shear. Uh, he ran third at Kakana for the Dixieland 250. Um, but again, just he had a lot of races where it was kind of hurt below hurt, basically. Same deal with Levon Baron. Again, he got plagued with a lot of mechanical gremlins this year. 
a guy that you kind of expected to be kind of in the running for the ASA uh, Midwest Tour Championship this year, just never was really there. He was 76th in 2023 uh, as far as the rankings go. He had 22 race events run, uh, and his wins weren't registered, at least on the list that I was looking at. Um, so I, I think it was he had less than three wins on the year for what he had. So just, uh, again, another kind of disappointing year, kind of had those higher expectations. Mechanical gremlins definitely got caught him. And, again, just the guys were super hit or miss on the year. So those were wanna... my – Go ahead and finish. Okay, I was going to say, those were just my bust or disappointments. Again, I think it's one of those that there were there were some extracurricular activities that and scenarios that definitely hurt their years. Um, but it's just they were very noticeable as far as the other, you know, drivers that were out there this year. I'm not going to call them out by name, but, you know, two of the guys, guy that used to work on Krause's car now is – I think he's Mondike's crew chief. So, <laughs> um, yeah, um, he worked on Cross's car for a while, and sure. then was on the inside. Did, did worked on that, and now he went to now he's big time at Mondike, and he's his crew chief. So, sure, kind of so, see a trend, I guess. They're both. That's on- the other thing with Mondike too is that he's got he's had Noodleman in his quarter every once in a while too, and it's just it seems to struggle here and there. And you know, kind of going kind of going back to Mondike. I mean, no Tundra title, no yep. Tundra, no State Park, no Midwest Norway. Tour, no Norway. Like those were all deals that he he hammered last year. Yeah. The, the yeah. one that really surprised me was the State Park. Yep. Well, it's his own track. Yeah, he pretty much owns dominate that place. Yeah, he owns that place for the most part. But yeah. And I didn't I didn't look. And I could probably do that real quick if I can figure this out. You're sharing the screen over, by the way. Yeah, I yeah, we'll just do this real quick. Make sure you got all your bad tabs down. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'm gonna do this. The truth comes out. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. I just want to see how he did. At yeah, get, State get, him, get him down before we have to rate this this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Start over again. He tomorrow. finished fifth in the Deachins race at State Park. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, bring us back. Bring us home. Yep. So here are my booms or my surprises on the year. First one is Sawyer Efforts uh, in his 15 starts, mainly at uh, WIR. Uh, he was the Wisconsin International Raceway Track Championship champion and the Red, White, and Blue champion. He swept the Red, White, and Blue races, uh, which is a pretty, pretty prestigious honor up here in the Midwest to be able to run those races and sweep those races. WIR is a very challenging racetrack. So it'll be a way to check championship there against some of the competition. I mean, there's Somers there in the background. Um, always a prestigious race. And again, six wins on the year, mainly coming from Wisconsin Round Raceway, Wisconsin International Raceway. He definitely just dominated the year over there. Uh, he ended up finishing 10th this year in the 2023 rankings of the Super Late Model uh, rankings, which, yeah, yep, that's a surprise in its own right. So, yeah, absolutely. 
So shows what kind of competition is there and, and how well he ran throughout the year. So that was my first real surprise. And when I saw that, I'm like, that's a really good surprise to throw in there. Uh, and my next just, one is just had to just had to throw it out there, but if I had to guess, this car's not supposed to be looking like sideways like with, that with the wheel turned to the right. No. Um, so that was I got but he's got elbows up right now. Yep. So I got that photo from my race pass, and my race pass is purely driver driven as far as their accounts go. So that is the photo he chose for that account. <laughs> yep. <laughs> good looking car though. It is a good looking car. I like the number in the front, big sponsor in the middle. Yep. Yeah, it's just that blue and black. Yeah, it's just a slick race car. Sorry. Um, I, and if I remember oh. reading right too, I think it's his first championship since 2012 as well. So it's been a long time coming for a good season for him. Sorry, I just totally ruined your next one. No, you're fine. Bubba Pollard, um, kind of resurgence year for him, kind of struggled a little bit last year. Um, so seven wins and 27 starts, which is tied in the country for 2023 with Ty Majeski. Uh, he was the inaugural winner at North Wilkesboro with the ASA Stars Tour. He won the Rattler 250 this year. Three wins in the Southern Super Series, including the in the Blizzard Series at Five Lakes Speedway. And obviously a very strong snowball derby performance uh, this year before those circumstances happened. So a little bit of a bounce back year uh, for Bob Pollard. Got his name back in the mix and shows why he's good at what he does and why he's a threat anywhere that he goes as well. And he got a very strong showing, showing a little bit in the ASA races that he ran. A very strong showing uh, for them as well. Snakes are gross. Snakes and are gross. If you haven't seen the video, is it ultimate lap of like the last 18 laps of Snowball Derby? If you haven't checked oh, it, yeah. social medias with, where you can hear the spotters and Baba and Nassi and Majeski and those guys, uh, highly recommend you go give that a, <clears throat> a listen. Yes. Very good footage. Very, yeah. Probably so one of the best videos on the year, honestly. Sure. So, number one on my boom, really it is a boom, and I don't think it's going to be no surprise. I kind of took the low-hanging fruit. I mean, it's got to be time Majeski. Yeah. I mean, just, again, another dominant year in, in Super Late Models. Obviously, the inaugural ASA Stars National Champion. Uh, he was, like I said, tied for first with Bubba for wins on the year, 17 wins and 18 events. 11 top fives, three stars, national tour wins, uh, with wins including the Slinger Nationals, Gandra 250, which was the stars race, and then obviously Snowball Derby this year. So pretty self-explanatory. And the Joe Shear. And the Joe Shear, yep. By default, but he was there. Still a win nonetheless. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I said, it's a, you know pretty pretty low-hanging fruit, but it's – and we talked about this last week talking about snowball derby it's wherever he goes he's going to be a very very high threat as far as winning that winning that race no matter what it is and it's just and it's the reason why um i think he's also number two right now in the rolling rankings since that again that's our friend at super late model rankings since he started that list i think he's number two which means a lot with the limited schedule that he runs on the super lates no for sure so, got an interesting follow up question. Him being number one, uh, to throw out to the group at the end of it. So, I'll hold oh, I mean, that's all I got. That's, I mean, that pretty much wraps it up. Like I said, it's, it was a little hard to find some stats. I know, again, super late model rankings, he's putting some driver stats together to hopefully 
uh, really give out some analytics, but going off of the rankings and, and various uh, top tens, top fives that I could find, that was how I kind of compiled my list. Sweet. Um, all right. Well, hell yes. We got two series down, two series, two cars, however you want to approach it. Yeah. Cam, what um, was your uh, follow-up question? Yeah, let's 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 hit that quick. Nope, uh, Kellen, it's gonna be a every. I gotta see your list, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it to everybody at the end. I got an idea where you're going, but all right. Okay. Um. All right. We got a pretty good prediction of Kellen's busts. Good head, just right right on over yonder to SHR. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say oh, that's the other thing we would really kind of hit and. We've been given with the two two series and, and tracing types of racing that we hit, we hit more drivers than we have teams themselves. So, so speak of the devil, Van Gro, that's a very great segue because you guys chose individual drivers. I went with organizations. Which I would get in the NASCAR Cup series versus I, you know local stuff. I went with the NASCAR Cup series. So I went boomer bust, and we are going uh purely on organization. So um I found oh, number a, three bust SHR. Oh, Actually, no, that's number one. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, we we <laughs> you hit the nail on the head with the rock there. Um, but so kind of looking at it from an organizational standpoint, you know, certain organizations kind of stood out, others not so much. Um and here's where I kind of went right away in my initial thought. Uh, I think Stuart Haas Racing struggled bad, bad, bad. Struggled all year. Um, no wins. Uh, 13 top fives. And this is among all four drivers, mind you. Compiled stats. 13 top fives. 29 top tens. An average start of 18.8. Average finish of 18.9. In four poles with 663 laps led. So when I looked at this, it's usually not good when your average finish is higher than your average start. Worse, you mean? Yeah, higher. You want low number wins. Number one knows the winner. Uh, they yeah, so it's, it would be. It would be. It's not good if your average finish is worse than your average start. Correct. You're going backwards. Yeah. As an organization, so um, I felt like, and Ham <clears throat> alluded to it right away. I mean, there was. It was a given. Um, and I think, you know, Kevin Harvick's being getting out of there. Um, you're gonna have Josh Barry in there. We're still pending what they're gonna do with the 10. Um, if you follow the NASCAR Reddit, I think there's a pretty good idea, including a snowball derby entry that was running a Ford Knowles that ran a Chevy at the Winchester. So intent, wink, wink. Yup. Uh so that's where we're at with Stuart Haas racing. So yeah, how'd you get that? Point. How'd you get that uh caterpillar for bullet points on the right there with drivers? <laughs> I centered it in the text box. I don't know. That's what it was. Give me a break. If we're getting analog on that, you're focusing yeah. on our stuff. Yeah. Next up, I kind of went I went every other here. So here you got your first boomer of the year. Hendrick Motorsports. So are these like your should have prefaced this ask this question first. Are these if this is like is this number one? No, I didn't really rank them per se. Got it. Okay. So we can we can go we could go through it and do it. Um, but 
Um, so Hendrick Motorsports, um, one of my boomers, uh, with Elliot Bowman, Byron, and Larson. Ten wins, forty-five top or forty-two top fives, sixty-seven top tens. Average start of fourteen four. Average finish of fourteen point three. Seven poles, and I think the biggest number that I was impressed with was the two thousand four hundred forty-one laps led. So, you want to talk about running out front and being there all the time? Hendrick said, "Yep, that's us." Now, you could argue that heavily that has come from two drivers. So you could go in the organization, you could go two and two and say, you got two boomers and two busters. Um, so when you look internally, but I think as a whole, when you look at it, Hendrick Motorsports, they did all right this year. I think another point to make out too, you know, you kind of hinted at it with the two booms and two busts. Byron and Larson were two of the four championship contenders. Yep, for sure. So that, yeah, that alone was a de deciding factor for me that, you got two of the four cars. You got fifty percent chance to win a title, per se. Still didn't get it. Right. Hendrick <laughs> led three point six eight times more laps than Stuart Haas. Yep. Big. I wonder. I wonder if I can find out. I just want to know, like that lap percentage. How like what percentage of laps led were Hendrick this year? Oh, a lot. Good job. Let's get into the next bus. Let's see where things go. All right, next up, Paul Gracing. I think so. I gave him the, I gave him the rock. Oh yeah, rock. My bad. Unfortunately, I gave him the rock for this year. Um, I just I expected more with Almondinger and Haley. Um, I just I expected them to find their stride at some point. It just felt like they were always. Struggle in qualifying or struggle in practice, and they couldn't find it. And they couldn't get ahead. Um, I just felt like, as an organization, I just felt there we're going to be up front a little bit more. So, uh, one win, five top fives, thirteen top tens, average start of twenty two point eight, average finish of twenty point three, zero poles and eighty eight laps led. So, um, you know. They're going forward, but they're still behind, even though they're going forward. So um, I think when you look at that statistically, I just I was I was waiting for them to break out a little bit, you know. They're good on the they're good on the plates. Um with that two car team, they just call it knows how to get a team to work together at the restrictor plates. But I just especially those intermediate tracks, those mile, mile and a half, I just expected them to come with a little more speed. So, of course, this would be another one, too, that they excelled oh. at. Yep, absolutely. Um, but when you look at the meat days of the schedule, with those mile, mile and a half, I just expected more. So, I got two letters that we could increase those results, but I'll save that for another, another episode. Yep. Yeah, uh, for sure. Touch back <laughs> real quick on that, Hedrick, just because I was curious. Yeah, uh, those laps at DK, <laughs> he rules. Uh, Hedrick Motorsports led twenty six percent of laps this this year. So one of every four laps they led. I just had to throw that out there because I was curious. Yep. Cam, I hear you, man. Loud and clear. Yep. Crystally, crystally clear. <laughs> and then I put him on my busts or disappointments for <laughs> superlates. 
All right. Going, going for it here. All right. Track house racing. I, I think this is going to come as a surprise that they got the rock. Really? Um, I gave them a rock. You know, I just – they had four wins, 20 top fives, 10 or 40 top tens, average start of 14.3, average finish of 16.9, so heavy increase there. Uh, two poles, 903 laps led. So that is between your two trusty steeds in Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain. Um, I think now last year, obviously – Everyone's seen the video of Martinsville. I just expected one of those two cars to race their way into the final four. I don't know why I had that in my mind. I just expected that that team was going to break out a little bit. Um, and when I say break out, I mean I'm, I'm talking playoffs. Um, I expected them to be there. I expected them to be ready to go. Um, they had some great races. They also had some really, really bad races. Um, so... I just, when it started to get to September and October, I expected track house to be in the conversation. It just, they didn't feel like they were. Um, so that's kind of my rationale behind them getting, getting a rock, unfortunately. I don't, I don't want to fact check you, but where did their four wins come from? SVG, Chastain. Chastain had two. Yeah. Where'd their fourth one come from? Uh-oh. Only had three. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, <laughs> all right, so we all had something go wrong in our presentations today. Like that. So that'd be yeah, you could knock that down. That'd be 19 top fives and 39 top tens. I mean, doesn't change doesn't change the stone. No, I absolutely so overall, it may probably makes the stone a little bit bigger, actually. Correct. That as well. So I just like I said, my, my justification behind them is when I saw that, I was thinking playoffs. That's where I expected them to have guys with experience that would be ready to go. So I was thinking playoffs for them. They're dragging that bowler behind their car. Yeah, no kidding. Well, well, he had to throw one of the guys a bone here. You know, he's shooting everybody else in the foot, so I felt like I had to give him one. Um, Team Penske, kind of with Blaney, Logano, and Cindric. Um So when I'm looking at this here, you get four wins, 20 top fives, 40 top tens. Average start of 14.3, average finish of 16.9, two poles. 903 laps led. So I did this kind of with the premise of our flagship, Mr. Blaney here, bringing home the title. So you want to talk about booming when you can bring home and hang a banner in the shop, you're doing all right. So um, I, you could even say Logano struggled this year. Uh, Sindrick struggled this year. Um, but when you come back and you can hang a – Championship banner in the shop, that's that's a boomer, without a doubt. So I would not have been surprised if you would have put them as a rock, honestly. I would not have been surprised. I would not have argued against you. Yeah, no, it's you really could go both ways, but I just think hanging the banner in the shop yep. is what, what did it. so that's back to back years. That's true. Yep. Yep. And I will say 
I'm not, no, we, I just said we're not calling for people's jobs. But that bottom one there, that bottom one there, Cindric has not. It's the seats I thought in his second. I thought in his second year we would see hey improved results, but I don't think we're yeah yeah we're not seeing that. I mean, I think that also goes hand in hand with Ford struggles. I mean, it was that well documented that Ford as a whole yeah. manufacturer, other than RFK, and I don't know how they did it, um, struggled this year. They definitely kicked on as of uh, later half of the year. And I think that started with Busher and then it carried over to Blaney at the later part of the year. Um, yeah, it just, it, again, I, you can make a case either way yep. for, for Penske. Yep. I, the title was what pushed more of the edge. So Team Penske gets one there, throw a guy a bone. Next one. Oh, what's going on here? Oh, here we go. You led me right into it. Talk about day. RFK. Yep. Uh, with Brad K and Chris Busher. Uh, I mean, did anyone see this coming? No. I would have I would have honestly thought it would have been the other way around. Yeah. That Kazowski would have been the three wins and all that. And yep. For sure. So three wins. Uh, 16 top fives, 33 top tens, an average start of 14.6, average finish of 13.3. No poles, but 596 laps led between the squad. So, um, yeah, that was out of nowhere, and especially coming from a Ford camp. And Ford, you could say downright struggled this year, and obviously they've addressed that with the new dark horse that they're going to call it. Um so I think Ford knew that they needed to address it, but RFK is probably like, "Hey, hold on a second here. We don't want this new body just yet. We're we're good with where we're at. Yeah, make a few tweaks and be up front every week." So, um, yeah, there we got RFK. I believe that is my last one. I will say one thing right now before you exit that slide. Yeah, wow. do I like that logo? Yeah, it is kind of like, you know. The R just catches it, catches the guy's attention. Yeah, the RF, the RFK. I mean, yeah, it's pretty slick. It's I uh, that's I was sweet. Listening back to an old episode of ours, trying to get some videos cut and all that, and I made a comment about Chris Busher. I'm like, hey, he's he's hot at the right time. He could make a deep playoff run. You guys made fun of me earlier. And then I think he ended up winning that week, or he ran good, and you guys were like, kind of eating your words a little bit. <laughs> I'll admit it, I was. So, no, I, was, I, mean, I, I you, definitely agree. Do you expect anything less on, uh, on this podcast? <clears throat> Absolutely not. Outrageous thing and outrageous <laughs> things and then eating our words the next week? Yeah. Absolutely not. Any um, – Initial knee-jerk reactions. Well, questions. Cam, you you said no. you had a question. Let's start. Yeah, I was going to throw it out to you guys and just seeing now where everybody's at. When you thought about boom or bust, I guess, you know, you guys, I, I would say we we're all more so results-driven, but <clears throat> I guess I was thinking about it. Were you thinking, you know, boom or bust, was it more results or expectations? Because I think my result, my – I, I could have flip flopped some of mine 
based on results and expectations. You I know, think mine, I think mine kind of go hand in hand to each other. You know, Bod Dyke, he ran a lot of races, but the results weren't there because the expectations were high as well. Uh, Casey Roderick, the expectations were high, had some results, but had something happen that you didn't exactly meet those expectations. The Vander and Krause, again, you had a mixture of results, but the expectations, especially on Vander side of things, I think were higher than what the results ended up being. So I guess here more so, did they meet their expectations? Yep. Yeah, I think I, really when it comes to results, I think Krause was really the only one that really boiled down to the results itself. Yeah, I think for me it was, it, I would say a little bit of hand in hand, but you could argue that, that Trackhouse had a better season than our, potentially you could argue them against Penske head to head. You could flip those two. Yeah. Um, but again, I kind of I kind of went expectation on the idea of having two veteran guys in the camp. I thought they were gonna be round at least one guy round eight in the top four, fighting for it, you know, right there. I, I thought Chastain was gonna be that guy. Yep, me too. And I expected that. And again, last year was a complete and utter anomaly with the uh, wall ride and this other whatever else he did. Um, but I just, for me, I expected him to put himself in that scenario again to be racing into the final four. And the fact that with Trackhouse, too, that Warner wins came from SVG in his first career start on the Chicago street course. Yep. For sure. So, yeah, that was, it was a little mix of both, I would say. It, it, it really depended when I looked at, and kind of my reactions when I, was looking at teams to put in here. What was my initial knee jerk reaction when I saw that? When I saw Penske, what did I think? Championship, got it. When so, I saw Trackhouse, what did I think? Ah, needed more in the playoffs. I mentioned, I mentioned last week, like at the very end of it, that I had two names written down right away. There were two names that did not make my list, but two booms that I had actually three really that made my list were Brian Sierkeski, Jacob Nottestad, and yeah. William Swalich. Oh yeah, Swalich. Yeah, you could easily argue Swalich him, without a doubt. When but, you talk about knee jerk reactions, yep, that's so. That was kind of how I initially, uh, initially kind of sorted them. Is when I was looking at cup teams, I'm like, all right, what do you think? All right, well, when you think of Hendrick, you think Larson, Larson and Byron. Just trusty steeds. You could bet on them any week. Um, RFK. Total surprise. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I, and then I looked into it a little bit more and it kind of justified how I felt when I was initially thinking about it. Damn, yeah, I think yours was definitely a little bit of a result, but I could see the expectations too, especially you threw in like the 2022 point standings. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, I would say, for me, it was when I was looking at the final standings, it was like, Right away, it's like, okay, looked at, you know, guys that made had 35 or more starts. All right, those guys. And then all of a sudden it was like, you look at the list, of, you know, I think there's 15 of them that had 35 or more starts um, in 2023. And right away it was like, 
I would say for me, it was like, all right, is this where I expected him to be? And then bullet point two was, let's get into the stats and break it down. And then I think, you know, between the two of them, it's like, okay, come to a conclusion, like, you know, Hudson O'Neill, a boom, you know? Did I expect him to be up number one? Being the rocket house car? It's pretty high expectations. Some pretty smart guys turning wrenches on that thing, too. Correct. So, did he hit expectations winning the whole deal? Yep. Let's dig into stats. Well, 53 features and 32 top fives. Checks the box. Checks the box. Yeah. Uh, Moran, second in points. Did he meet expectations? Surpassed. Yep. To be racing, you know, lock himself in that final four. Um, Damn near win it. And then if Hudson O'Neill doesn't do Hudson O'Neill things and put that right rear on the wall and have some sparks flying, you know. Yeah, Devin Rand could be looking at a title. He's looking at a title and a big check. So uh, that was kind of my process. Um, again, fun to do. Um, but yeah, about Hudson, how does he not have a right rear quarter panel for sale after every race? <laughs> Probably does. It's just it doesn't leave the pit area before it gets to the the, the merchandise hauler. Cam, who were like you know Van Gogh kind of listed a couple of guys. Who would have been like your next one or two guys like off a list or two? Off the off the list that was either one. Will mentions. Yeah, like guys that you considered. Um, two busts. Kind of surprising. Well, not really surprising. Dalton Wilson. Yeah. Somebody who was. And everything, 53 starts, 14 top 10s, or top 5s, 20 top 10s. Um, Max Blair. He's pretty quiet this year. Um, yeah, one win. Um, but no. then you got in, then you kind of get into, since I cut it at 35 races, because I didn't want to, you know, I'm not punishing Jimmy Owens for not getting a win when he only raced 20 races at 24 Luke Soil races. Like, right. Yeah. Um, Gary Alberson. Dang it. Your neighbor. Yep. Um, zero wins, three top fives, 16 top tens, 51 starts. I threw out Brandon Overton. That was more, I would say that was a more expectation. Yeah. Only three three wins, 26 top fives, 30, 39 top tens. Yeah, I think the Eldora, the Eldora hiccup was his big kind of bump in the season. Yeah. Um, I threw out the idea, which – so this was my expectations of, like, initial thoughts. Tim McCready, first thought that comes to mind. Struggled. 
So right away, I'm like, Tim McCready, yeah, he's going on there. Lost. But then you look at it, it's like he finished fifth in the points. Yeah. 52, uh, 52 starts, 41 top tens, 22 top fives, two wins. That ain't, that ain't bad. <laughs> no. So I was like, again, just another quiet year. But that was somebody who I was like, okay, first question, expectations. T-Mac definitely didn't hit him. But then you like start backing into some of the stats. It's like, okay. Yeah, he had a pretty quiet, but dang good year. So, yeah, those are some of the guys I was throwing around in my head. Spencer Hughes. Um, <laughs> was looking at him, 54 starts, zero wins, top, six top fives. But, again, yeah. not somebody – he's not a heavy hitter, has the reputation of McCready, a Moran, a, you know, RTJ has, so. Or, yeah, Overton. Yeah. Well, what do we got for kind of final thoughts on what's been the boomer bust of 2023? Another good conversation. Uh, some surprises. Some, some hot takes. Yeah. You know, you, you gotta hit you gotta hit everybody's favorite in the heart a little bit every once in a while, whether it's a good or a bad way. Yeah. Um it's a cutthroat. It's a cutthroat business. <laughs> it it even transfers over to to the Tuesday track talk. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, what a good conversation! You know, that's that's kind of a good way to kind of segue us into um, breaking development from the channel here in the last twenty four hours, forty eight hours, if you want to call it that. For all of you Spotify people, we got you. <laughs> we have listened. We have answered the call. Um, I, we've had a few people reach out, a few followers say, Hey man, you know, it'd be awesome. Like we love listening. We love, like to see you on Spotify. Um, solve problem solved. We got you. Um, same deal, same logo, same name. Um, everything is over on Spotify. So as episodes come out on YouTube, um, go ahead and you can follow and, and hit the, the rating as well on Spotify. So Another platform you can get a good listen. Um, you can listen in your own way then. I know Spotify is obviously a huge thing for the music and podcast world, but we have arrived. Yep. So listen, pretty- listen at the track, listen at home, listen at church, listen at work. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so pretty cool development there. So be able make sure to head over um Spotify, get us a good listen on there. So those will be going up um as well. Kind of like a last little wrap up here. We usually this is the point where we talk race previews, but for all of our fans, lucky for you guys, um, it's special edition week again. We are going to bring you a brand new episode uh, Thursday night. So make sure you hit the bell. We are going to go live. Um, we are going to do our episode live as Flo um, brings you the Gateway Dirt National. So going to be a little bit of both we're going to follow along with thursday night preliminary we're going to give you an episode but also some live reaction as we go through that as well so um as we hop on there this can be a literally an interactive episode we can bring you our picks for both the mods and the supers you got picks drop them put them in there um and we will um do a little fan interaction for our, our special edition episode for the gateway dirt nationals I think um, we had a hell of a time with the snowball derby, and I think we're gonna have. I think we're gonna have a good time with this as well. And it'll be a full crew. It won't be 
it won't yep. be a part of the crew. So um, make sure to fire off uh, questions, thoughts, reactions, um, and then uh, we'll go from there with the Gateway Dirt National. So um, really no preview because we're going to preview it while we're there. You know, so we got to pick there. Uh, we will also bring you our picks, our race picks on Thursday night. So we always got picks. We're going to bring them to you. Um, we'll bring them to you on Thursday night as we're uh, getting through the stream. So a little snake draft for Gateway Dirt Nationals. Kind of last little touch point we got here for today before I call wrap. Kenny Wallace. No, I'll let you do that first pick. <laughs> if you're going mods, you got first pick, then you can have them. I'm going Kenny Wallace and I'm going Joseph Joyner. <laughs> In the hunt of front crew. Well, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking Mr. You Can't Park there, Charlie Mefford. <laughs> oh, I'll take him. But yeah, so that'd be a good little deal. Make sure you got your bell hit so you can know when we go live on that deal as well. Um, and then kind of thinking about the actual next full episode, if you want to call it that, for the podcast is next week, we're going to bring you trivia. Um, we're going to do a little race trivia. Um, really no, no holds on the bars here. It's you, each crew is going to bring 10 question, uh, 10 questions and we're going to fire away and see who's, uh, can get them linked up and hot for the next episode. So I was, I've had a couple already come to mind that I'm excited to try out. <laughs> this is, there's, uh, no surface, no car limits, no, it's just like crazy. everything else we've damn near done. We're <laughs> yeah. coming in, not knowing what the hell the other one's got. <laughs> yup. <laughs> Blind reeling. It's going to be really good for trivia night. So, uh, next week will be, uh, you'll get a good, a good array of race recaps or trivia or flashbacks or iconic moments, whatever you want to name it in. Uh, the racing one. So if you got some hints, you can drop them below and we can kind of see if we could get somebody to sneak one in there or even a fan top 10. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, that'd be a good one. You can have <laughs> yeah. Chase read them off to us. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, get the fan top 10 going. So yeah, if you got if you got trivia questions, you got races you want us to bring questions to, uh, make sure you drop them below. So that will be next week, a week from uh a week from today when you're seeing this. So any last final thoughts before you're ready for Gateway Dirt Nationals? No, we got two two cans of gas in the car. Ready to go. Um, fired up for Gateway Dirt Nationals. Love, obviously, I'm not going to keep beating this drum. I love dirt lay models. And then, furthermore, you just get a just a bull ring. Just cars on each other immediately. Um, you can get some wild cards. You're going to get Hey Dude in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Carpenter, who had a wild showing at Eldora. Um, yeah, I'm sure that'll so, come right to the dome. <laughs> um, no, I'm just looking forward to it. Um, obviously, a huge event. A lot of big names go to it. Um, and so, looking forward to it. Um, yeah, huge event. Um, I'd say this one also put this on the list of Races that we the crew needs to get some boots on the ground at sometime. Yeah, bucket lister for sure. 
I know I'll uh, I'm be traveling. I got a family Christmas deal this weekend, and I got a feeling I'm going to be checking the phone pretty often, especially on Saturday. And if I can get out kind of early enough and make my way back back to the office here, or the throne here, I might have full racing up on the car and uh, on the speakers on the way back. So a little bit <laughs> as do as I say, not as I do type of thing. But you got to get the racing <laughs> when you got it. For sure, especially a, a big crown jewel like this one. Yeah. So, well, that that wraps up another wild, interesting, and debated podcast here for the Tuesday Track Talk. Uh, make sure you got everything tuned in for Thursday night. Um, as always, like, comment, subscribe, and we'll see you all next week.